My name is Pastor Dave. I'm thankful to be with you this morning as we look to Jesus. If I haven't gotten to know you yet, please reach out. I'd love to connect with you. We're opening our Bibles to Matthew chapter 8, and we're seeing Jesus come down from the mount. It's probably a big hill. He's coming down from the mount where he has proclaimed his authority and the authority of his kingdom. And now he's going to demonstrate it. He's going to show what he just talked about. What is his kingdom like? What is his authority like? How does he use it? And I think of uh, the, the, the very real problems that we have in our world and the problems we have in our lives. Probably more than anything that I hear people come to me with prayer requests about, people come to me with prayer requests for healing. There are two words that many of us hear at some point in our life. You've heard this about a loved one. It's cancer. Maybe you've heard these words yourself. And the way that can just undo you. It feels like a, a final sentence, a final word. And some of you are walking through that now. And the Lord is with you. Christina, my wife, uh, her parents heard these words about her. She was six years old, going on her seventh birthday, uh, just a few days after that. And uh, some tingling in her legs, some other symptoms that increased, suddenly led them to take her to the emergency room. And they find that she has advanced stage Ewing sarcoma. It's a, a bone cancer. And it's more often in uh, adolescent boys. And usually found in limbs. And often leads to amputations to save the lives of the people that have Ewing sarcoma. But Christina's was in her spine. Which cannot be amputated. And so she was in trouble. And was immediately... Uh, ushered into a, a program of treatment with radiation, chemotherapy. You'll see her in pictures with, with a pick line as she's enduring this. And a beautiful little girl becomes a beautiful little cancer girl with a beautiful bald head. And throughout this time, her parents are praying, 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 and hoping for healing. And a huge community of people come together, church and churches and friends, praying and hoping for healing. But they were also faced with this question of how much hope do we invest in her healing? They actually had a pastor come to them and encourage them not to put so much hope in her healing, not to talk about her being healed because it'll hurt too much. Because it didn't look good oftentimes. She was near death. Spoiler alert, she's right there. God is amazing. God is amazing. And he healed her. And doctors were shocked to this day. Her care team could not believe that the Lord delivered her. And the only thing to account for it, it's not medical science. As much as we give thanks for that, as much as God uses that in his providence to care for us, to heal us, to treat us, her healing was, was beyond the power that they could bring to her. But a community was praying and those doctors and nurses saw it, and many of them were a part of it. And God healed her. But we come to today with our own questions about healing, with our own hurts and our own pains and sicknesses. And can we ask the Lord for healing? Can we invest ourselves in hope for healing? How should we think about that? Many of you today may be nervous about a God talker standing up with a Bible talking about healing. You've had past experience of that, and it makes you nervous. Because that can be misused. 
in harmful ways. In the first century, in Jesus' day, there were diseases just like there are today, but without all the advantages of modern medicine. Many diseases that are curable today would be a death sentence in the first century. But not only were there diseases that could damage your health, there were diseases and all sorts of ailments and states of being that could cut you off and isolate you from community. There was cleanness and uncleanness. So this is a Jewish context where if you came into contact with something that was dead, if you contracted a certain kind of skin disease, and there's a number of other situations, you could be rendered unclean, unfit to be in the holy presence of God and his people. And if you couldn't get rid of that skin disease, for example, you would continue to be cut off. You would continue to be isolated. And you can only imagine how difficult, how terrible that would be. Watching as others go to worship and hear the promises of God. And you can only hear from a distance. Not only were there these dimensions of sickness, clean and unclean going on. There's also dimensions in this passage of, of social unrest, of a social sickness. Hatred between different people groups. There is a Roman centurion we're going to see. And this reminds us that in this time... The Jewish people were oppressed. They were not able to, to lead their own country. Their government wasn't in control. It was a puppet government under Roman control. And the Romans were not popular in this time. And so in the middle of that social sickness, Jesus is entering in. And there's an even more deep kind of moral sickness that we see. People who would abandon their loved ones when they needed them. In our day, when people are very sick and are reaching the end of their lives, increasingly in society, we have places to send people and forget about them. But how does Jesus relate to those who can be easily dismissed and overlooked by a society that only values those who are, are young and beautiful and able? Jesus uses his authority, we see, to heal them. That's why he matters today. Jesus matters today because he would heal his and our worst enemies with his own health. <laughs> and he invites us to come to him and know his healing. Many of you have questions as I say that. What does that mean for me? You've heard healing misused as I've already alluded to. You just wonder, what does this promise mean for me today? And so if that's you, I just invite you to pray with me as we look to the Lord and ask him to speak to us today. So let's pray. Father, thank you that you speak to us. Thank you that you come into the midst of our very real needs and our real struggles, our real hurts, our sicknesses. And you offer hope, encouragement, strength, and foundation. Lord, we stand on you now in your word. And we ask you to speak to us by your Holy Spirit. We need you and we're listening. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus heals his and our worst enemies with his own health. Starting in verse 1, Jesus is coming down from the mountain and great crowds following him. And behold, what should you do when the Bible says behold? You should look. Look with your mind's eye. See a leper, a person with some kind of skin disease. And our immediate sort of uh, childhood response is, Gross, right? 
to something that seems gross or different, strange, unknown. But that's not the response that is immediately invited. It's, oh no, stay away. Because if I come into contact with that person, then I'm going to be unclean. So that would be your visceral response to an unclean person approaching you as a first century Jewish person. But look at Jesus. The leper comes to him, kneels before him and says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Note, the leper is not uncertain about Jesus's ability to make him clean, to heal him. Many have already been healed by Jesus. Many who came to hear him in the Sermon on the Mount, were healed by him. And so they were coming to him in droves, in hope, in his power. It's not a question of whether he can, it's whether he wants to. Lord, if you will, what is your will? What's in your heart toward me, a leper? And what's in his heart? What do we see? Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and says, I will be clean. This is astounding, shocking to people who are looking on, watching this happen. Because what you imagine would happen is that in touching him, Jesus would take on all of that uncleanness upon himself and be cut off himself. And so how, how is that not the case? Jesus comes in all of his holiness and all of his perfect purity and he touches this unclean man and his purity is so strong it drives out all impurity his holiness so strong it drives out all darkness Jesus touches him and he's clean immediately his leprosy was cleansed he invites him to go return to community through the way Moses prescribed in the law you can read about it in Leviticus 14 and this man's welcomed home to community. If, if you have a prayer and you wonder whether you can bring it to Jesus, I'm sick, I'm addicted, I'm struggling, I've been cut off. And you wonder whether you can bring that to Jesus. You're not wondering whether he can heal you, you're wondering whether he wants to. I wanna tell you today, it is his heart to heal you. Go to him. You can go to him and pray. Come to him. He came to heal, to make this world whole, to make you whole. This is his revealed will. This is what the Bible speaks of. Theologians speak of the Lord's revealed will and of his will of decree or his hidden will. And this leaves us with questions because the heart of Jesus is to heal the leper, is to heal every sick person who comes to him. But why didn't the Lord heal my loved one? Why isn't the Lord healing me when I ask? We've seen many stories of healing. My wife's testimony is an incredible story of the Lord's power and grace. But why not me? Why not this situation? A pastor can't answer that question. But there's a story in John chapter 11 where Jesus delays in healing his friend Lazarus. And Lazarus dies. And four days go and he 
goes and sees the family of Lazarus. He sees Mary and Martha. And, and, and why did he delay? Why did he allow Lazarus to die? He could heal him from afar, as we're about to see in the next several verses. He can heal from afar. Why didn't he do that? He did it so that the Lord's glory could be revealed, so that people could see and believe in the power of God. And so I wonder sometimes about those the Lord doesn't heal immediately in this life, if he's waiting that he would be more glorified in the resurrection at the last day when they are risen and we will all see bowing before the Lord his power to heal and to raise to new life, his power to hold the community in grief, to serve one another and minister the hope of the resurrection to one another. Is he perhaps in his secret will that we don't know more glorified in seeing his church endure in the face of death with resurrection hope? Beyond this, I can't say a word, but wonder and trust that the Lord is good. He may not heal when we ask him, but he has promised healing in the resurrection. This is what Jesus came to do. He came to heal. So go to him. Secondly, in verses 5 to 13, we're going to see Jesus heal a national enemy's servant. He hears the prayer of the national enemy. And we need to think about this. It's Super Bowl Sunday. So think about how you pray for your team and for that other team. And think about how we pray in the midst of a, a heated climate and a moment where the United States has political enemies. And we think about how we pray for our military and perhaps even for those of other countries. Jesus heals the national enemy's servant. Look at verse 5. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him. Centurion is a, a Roman officer who's over about a hundred soldiers. And a Roman soldier, unlike a leper, has social status. Notice the leper comes to Jesus and calls him Lord. It's hard to say. Sometimes Lord means sir. It's just referring to someone of higher social status. It's hard to know whether the leper regarded Jesus as divine before he was healed. We don't know that. Nevertheless, right here we know something more is going on. Because this centurion has status. He looks down on Jews as backwater folks from a far province. He's probably from Italy. Most high-ranking officers were. Certainly a citizen of a Roman city. Who social status-wise is above any Jewish person from Judea in the first century. And yet he comes to Jesus. And what is the first word that he says to him? Lord, Lord, there is a faith in this man, a humility to recognize something greater than himself. He is an officer. He has power. He knows what power is. He knows when he speaks, people will do it. And if they don't do it, they're going to pay for not doing it. But he comes to Jesus and says, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly and Jesus says to him, I'll come and heal him. But the centurion then replies, again, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. But only say the word and my servant will be healed. 
He has an incredible and very practical faith. He understands how authority works. He understands that when he speaks, something gets done. But there's nothing that he can do to heal his servant that he loves. There's nothing that he can do. He doesn't have that kind of authority, but he sees it in Jesus. He's amazed at Jesus. So he comes to him and says, Lord, and begs him, appeals to him to heal his servant. Not even to come to his house because he's not worthy of that. He's a Gentile. He understands that he's unclean (laughs) apart from God speaking cleanliness and health and purity over him, which he came to do. But he comes humbly to Jesus. And when Jesus sees this incredible faith, this trust in him, he says something that would have made his publicist cringe. He said, truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Jesus is looking around at all the people of Israel, all the churchgoers, all the regular attenders and givers, you know. And he's saying to this enemy, I've never seen faith among all these people like you have. He has a trust in Jesus. He sees in him the authority to tell creation, to bend back into God's design. (laughs) Brokenness to become whole, unhealth to become health. And he trusts him. Jesus says, verse 11, I tell you, Many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus' publicist quits and just goes home. Because Jesus is saying that it's not your belonging to this community that makes you saved. It's not your descending from Abraham being an ethnic descendant. It's not your last name that saves you. It's faith in Jesus. Faith in the true and living God who's standing right in front of you if you could have been there. Many from east and west will come and recline at table and join in that party to end all parties at the end of history. They'll join with the people of Israel, the historic people of God, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all those who have looked to God in faith. We're not saved ultimately by being a part of the right club, but by Jesus through faith in him. And Jesus said, go let it be done for you as you've believed, as you've trusted and the servant was healed at that very moment. Jesus hears the national enemy's prayer. Thirdly, Jesus matters today, folks, because he came to heal us, even our worst enemies, with his own health. But here we see him in verses 14 through 16, healing those who we would be quick to dismiss, quick to overlook. Jesus comes and heals Peter's mother-in-law. Remember, in the first century, like much of the world today, it is ordinary to be poor. It is ordinary to live in a multi-family home. It would be very exceptional to have your own bedroom, to have your own house separate from the rest of your extended family. That would be a sign of incredible wealth. But Peter's mother-in-law is at home. 
and he is tasked to love her, to care for her, to honor his father and mother, even his mother-in-law. But there was a way of dismissing love for those who were becoming older and less able, who became a financial burden. There was a way, a way that, that would help you save face religiously and piously that was common in this day. It was called Corbin. You could say, I'm going to give what I was using to support you, mom, dad, mother-in-law, father-in-law. I'm going to give that to the temple because I, you know, I really love God and I want to serve him. So I'm just going to take that money that I was using to support you and give it to the temple. And oops, sorry, now I can't take care of you anymore. Bye. Jesus didn't like this. Jesus in his authority cares for those who we would be quick to overlook. People who are uncomfortable and difficult to love. People who tax our time. <laughs> Jesus would go and care for and heal. Not because they brought utility to the world. Not because uh, of something that they would necessarily have to offer. But because they're made in the image of God. And he came to redeem them. By his blood, they are precious in his sight. So those he, that we might easily dismiss, Jesus would see. He saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. And he touched her hand and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve them. Do you see that beautiful picture? Have you ever gotten to see this? It's a privilege to see this. When God gives healing in this life and you get to see a person become who God made them to be. It's one of the saddest things is that people who become so sick are unable to do the things that bring so many joy and use their gifts. And here we see Peter's mother-in-law doing just that, rising to serve and to live for the Lord. Jesus came to heal even the worst enemy, even those we would dismiss. He would heal those who were oppressed by demons. Many were brought to him and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. People haunted in mind and in soul. People that we would be very nervous to spend time with. Jesus would look at them in the eye and speak to them in his authority and in all his power. And why did he do this? Verse 17. This was all to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. This is amazing because what Matthew, in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying. He's drawing from Isaiah 53. A passage about the suffering servant who would come to redeem Israel for her sins. He was crushed for our iniquities. But here he's saying, even more so, not less than, even more so, he came to heal. Jesus matters today because he came to heal us and even our worst enemies with his own health. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Many evangelical readers of scripture, we're evangelical, we believe the Bible is the word of God and Jesus is the only way to, to know God. He's the way, the truth, and the life. But many evangelicals nervous 
about those who can abuse teaching about healing will refer to this as sort of a metaphor. He took our illnesses. Oh, meaning he took our sins. But read the context. There was nothing about forgiveness of sins in the last 16 verses. We're talking about healing. <laughs> Jesus came to heal. To heal this world. Taking our illnesses, bearing our diseases upon himself. To make us whole. To reconcile all things to himself. Making peace by the blood of his cross. How do we faithfully live in the tension that we feel about that? Because we know. We know that this doesn't mean automatically that all are healed. We want to seek a faithful way. There's an invitation here, I think, to simple prayer. A simple ministry of prayer. Uh, Frederick Dale Bruner, who comments on Matthew and, and has a long kind of uh, reflection on this. He says, the more simple and unostentatious the prayers for healing are, the more authentic they are. The church is rightly suspicious of all spectacular and especially of all advertised healings. I don't know if you've ever uh, seen this sort of thing, uh, but there are people who advertise healings and people will come forward and then they'll like push them down. You know, I think that would be discouraging if it was me. That's just me. You know, I'm coming for healing and you just throw me down. But that's not what is pictured here. What's pictured here is a humble coming to Jesus for healing, begging at his feet. Lepers, outsiders, unworthy. <laughs> Just saying, would you heal me? It's his heart. He would. And we entrust that to him. We're nervous about the abuse of this. And it's right to be nervous because it can be abused. But that's not what we're about here. Bruner goes on and he says, Our little faith often does not believe that Jesus' competence is more than just spiritual. We need a shove now and then to move us to believe that Jesus is for the whole person and for the whole world. The healing miracles of Jesus provide just such a shove. When the kingdom of heaven came, it didn't come just to... Just to save souls alone. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven came to make all things new. To restore this world. And these healing miracles of Jesus help us see that and take hold of that in faith. And so I invite us to avoid two ditches today. First of all, I invite us to avoid the ditch of not putting hope in Jesus to heal because he says it right here. <laughs> I will. It's my heart. I would heal you. Come to him. You can pray earnest prayers. You don't have to just say thy will be done as though you can't ask him for a good gift. The father loves when you come to him and ask him for what you need. Ask him for healing and trust him. At the same time, we trust him with our prayers for healing, but we don't make healing our ultimate hope. The Christian story is one that ends in resurrection. Surprising, 
to many of us. But at the end, in Revelation chapter 20, verses 13 to 15, we see a picture of the resurrection that awaits us. One day when the Lord Jesus returns, the dead who are in Christ, who trust in him, who are written in his book, arise. And those who are apart from Christ, who aren't written in the book, arise. Standing again in a body is not your ultimate hope. Because some who stand will depart from the Lord because they never knew him. Apart from the party, apart from the, the banquet with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the centurion. Our ultimate hope is in Jesus. He is the healing that we need. His health is what we long to cling to, not just now, but forever. Christina was healed, but she'll die if Jesus tarries. <laughs> I'll die. Every single person in this room. What a downer, Pastor Dave. Come on. <laughs> but our hope ultimately is in the resurrection of Jesus. We cling to him. So I invite you to cling to him. Hope in him. Come to him with your prayers. And see what he'll do. Jesus matters today because he came to heal us and even our worst enemies with his health. Father, thank you for this hope and this promise. Lord, we're tired of, uh, many of us, uh, tired of, of asking. We've been asking for so long. Lord, I pray that you would sustain these and hold up their arms as they look to you and lift their prayers to you. For those who've given up hope, I pray that you would rekindle hope as we look to you, Jesus, who came to heal us. We trust in you and we wait, Lord. Thank you for every testimony of your grace that we get to see. And we pray for more. We pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to take a moment, about a minute now, and we're going to practice listening to Jesus. It's a simple practice of saying, okay, Lord, today we've heard from your word. We've sung praises to you. We've been together. Your spirit is here with us. What are you saying to me today? What is the thing that you have for me? So we're just going to take a moment and listen and ask the Lord, what is that thing he has for us today? Let's be silent in his presence. pray once more. Father, as, as we listen, Lord, we, we pray that you'd give us obedient hearts to respond to you. For those who, Lord, today are struggling with addiction, particularly, I pray, and we lift them before your throne, these dear ones you love, wondering right now whether, Lord, you're able and whether you're willing to take this from them. Lord, help them to hear Jesus' voice, and I pray that you would. 
lift that away from them, that you would restore, that you would free these dear ones from this bondage, whatever it may be today. For those who are struggling, Lord, with, um, with mental illness, Lord, with depression and anxiety today, have mercy, speak comfort. And we do pray for restored minds, fullness of health and joy. Lord, we pray for people coming with every prayer today, chronic pain, wounded relationship, every burden. And we lay them at your feet, Lord. And we trust you. Amen.